0: Well, good morning and welcome to The Gathering Church. We are so glad you're with us today. Like Pastor John Mark just said, my name is Robbie Denson. I'm one of the pastors and I am just, I don't know if this is for me or for you. I think it's for me, but I need to say this. We made it. We made it. It is the year 2020. Some of us deserve a round of applause that we give ourselves. So yeah, let's do it. You know what? I just feel like there's an energy that's like, yeah, I, yeah right? We did it, you know. It, it, 2019, for, for my family, was defined by perseverance. It was a year of perseverance for, for us. It was a year that tested the heart of our calling. Some of you can resonate. You can feel what I'm saying. You're there with us. Uh, we had to persevere in our calling. We had to persevere in our purpose. And as challenging as 2019 was, in the midst of it, my family had the privilege of seeing the community that we have worked so hard to put around us, come around us, and show our family care. And um, it's, been a, it's been a challenging year, but one that we were able to, to fight through, not alone, but together. And that's the key. And we're going to get into that this morning. But, you know, the truth is, not all of us made it through 2019 standing strong on our feet, but you did make it. And the reality for so many of us is that we don't have the strength to make it through 2020 the way that you had to endure 2019. And so some things have to change, don't they? Some things have to work differently this year than they did last year. And so there has to be a change. And here's the thing about change. It starts when you decide it does. Change begins when you and I have said enough is enough. And for many of us, change works its way into our lives when we've done everything we can. Change uh, works its way and sometimes has to fight its way into our lives when we've reached the end of ourselves, the end of our ideas, the end of our strength, and we begin to realize that I need something greater than myself. And for some of us, we come to this realization on our own. Some of us, we come to this realization in moments of weakness, in moments of tears, and when we're on our knees and it's forced upon us, this idea that I can't do this on my own. Let me ask a question to get started today. Have you ever felt stuck? Have you ever looked at the circumstances surrounding your life and felt like there's just no place to go? There's, There's no move to make for me. There's no place to move. Forward. What's next? The title of today's message is It's Time. It's Time. The light is green. The light, it's time. The light is green. Some, some of us need to look up, right, and see that the light is green. And some of us literally stop looking at your phones, right? I know at the red light, Instagram gets a hold of your soul. There's nothing worse than being behind that person, right? Some of us need to look up spiritually, emotionally, physically, and look up and see that the light is green. You know, I think the enemy likes to deceive us into thinking that our lives have hit a red light that just doesn't seem to want to turn green. But I'm here telling you this morning that because of Jesus, the light is green. And it's time for some of us to get moving. This morning, I want to to get behind you and while I may not be brave enough to be behind you and actually honk on the horn, this morning, I want to get behind you and just give you a little beep and say, hey, the light is green. Let's get moving. In Luke chapter nine, Jesus is talking to his disciples. And I really like what he speaks to them because I read this passage and I think, man, Jesus is just talking to me. There's been seasons in my lives, my life, where I was asking the question, "Am I ready to go all in? And what does that look like? And that's what the disciples are wondering in Luke chapter nine, and Jesus speaks very clearly and plainly to them, listen to what he what he says, and he doesn't sugarcoat sugarcoat it. He says in Luke chapter nine, as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, said to Jesus, "I will follow you wherever you go." And Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. You see, Jesus is painting a clear picture of what it means to follow him. See, here we have an individual saying, Jesus, I'm, I'm ready. I, 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 you know how we, we get so excited sometimes and we're just ready to go all in. Like, this year I'm going to the gym. This year I'm going to lose that 20 pounds. And then we get to the gym and you're like, this is, I'm sweaty and this is yucky, right? And like we take the picture in front of the mirror and then day two, the picture looks exactly the same. And you're like, whoa, I've been going to the gym. Well, what Jesus is saying is you can follow me, but let me tell you what it looks like. I don't sleep in hotels. I don't go to bed with a pillow. This is going to be challenging. And for some of us, the reason we haven't gone further in our spiritual journey is because we're looking for the easy route. You know, some of us, we grew up thinking that Christianity was the easy route. We grew up in a, maybe a church culture that presented that, well, because I'm a Christ follower, I've got my life figured out. But yet you find as an adult that life comes at you hard and that there is an enemy and he works its way into your marriage and he works its way into your sin life and it works its way into every area it can. And well, I'm a Christian. I shouldn't be challenged in these areas. But what we have to learn is that following Jesus is not easy. It is good. And I don't know many things good in my life that came to me easily. And so Jesus is saying, follow me. Yes, it will be good, but it will be challenging. The passage continues and it it gets pretty wild. I'll admit, I thought about leaving this out, but don't want to edit the Bible. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first, let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. So you and I, just so you know, I agree with you. I know what you're thinking. That's a reasonable request. (laughs) You know, hey, let me go take care of some things first. But I think what Jesus is trying, what he's painting a picture of here is this. There will always be something in the way. There will always be a better time to go all in. Jesus, I'll follow you when the timing is right. I'll follow you when my life is right is in order. And I believe this morning that God is presenting himself to some of us and telling us, come on, now is the time. You don't have to wait any longer. Don't let anything get in the way of the life that I have for you. This year can be better than the last. And in fact, the rest of your years can be better than the last. The light is green. Come on, let's go. Have you ever noticed that when the light turns green, no matter what, your car will not move until you press the gas, right? Some of us are a lot closer to knowing God and finding freedom from the things that have wrapped us up than you think. You just have to move forward. And that's what we're talking about today. Jesus continues his conversation with these disciples. He says, still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service in the kingdom of God. Man, these are some challenging verses. They're tough to wrestle with, but you know, this one right here, I, I resonate with this. If I can just be candid, if I can just be honest, one of the things I love about this church is our vulnerability and our honesty. I was talking to a pastor this week who is, ch- is struggling to get life groups working in his church and he was trying to get people to be honest and vulnerable. And I said, hey man, how honest and vulnerable are you on the stage? Because the pastors, if they present it like they have it all together, then in life groups, our people will present it like they have it all together. And one of the, 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 one of the things that I love most about this church is we don't always have to present it like we have it all together. So just to be honest with you, we're five days into this year And the enemy is already trying to take my family down. He's doing everything that he can. My my wife and I are in the deepest waters we've ever been in. And there are times when I feel like living my purpose, saying yes to the things I've said yes to, going in on the things I've gone in on, like God's maybe asking too much of me. And my, my hand... Like maybe God, that was flawless. I knew it was going to be. I felt it and I had to acknowledge it. I had to acknowledge it. Sorry, I should have just let it be. But my wife and I, we've, we've been challenged these last five days. And there are times where the things that we've said yes to in our purpose, understanding this is how we exist and why we exist, where I look at it and I say, God, you're asking too much of me. God, this requires, maybe I've missed it. And it's like my hand is on the plow, doing the work that Jesus has asked me to do. And I'm just telling you, the temptation that I've had the last five days to look back and say, you know what? Maybe this isn't the work I should be doing. Maybe this is not the field I should be plowing. The temptation creeps in to take my hand off the plow. And years ago, I was, I was wrestling with my obedience to God and, and I felt a lot like I have this week. And I remember God spoke so clearly to me and he said, Robbie, I will never ask you to do anything for me that I haven't first done for you. Jesus, you see, what he does is he went all in. And so why does he ask us to go all in? Because he went all in. Jesus isn't going to ask you to do something for him that he hasn't first done for you. Jesus went to the cross for you. And so in return, he says, come all in, come all in. Robbie, I'll never ask you to do something for me that I haven't first done for you. And so with that, I will not give up because he didn't give up. I will not quit on the people in my life because he didn't quit on me. Jesus, he went to the cross for you and I, and now he's asking you to go all in for him. It's time for some of us to go all in. For the sake of your future, it's time to go all in. For the benefit of your marriage, it's time for you to go all in. For your children, it's time for you to go all in. Jesus is asking that you go all in. And he's painting a picture of what it will look like. But here's the thing. Going all in for Jesus means you may have to move on from some things that are holding you back. There's always a reason why now's not a good time to go all in. But we've got to be willing to put our foot on the gas and move forward. And what happens is when you move forward, you move away from something else. And so today I want to talk about three things that you may need to move on from. And then I want to talk about some changes that you may need to make in order to keep moving forward. The first thing that you may need to move on from is old history old history. Some of us need to hit control, alt, delete. That's how I used to do it on some things in our past. Control, alt, delete on some history. And I'm talking about the mistakes or the decisions or that event that took place that has somehow come to define you. We've begun to see ourselves through the lens of a mistake we made or, or maybe something tragic that took place that wasn't your fault, but we've begun to see ourselves through the lens of these things and The good news is this, is that God does not view you through your lens, that God views you as his child. Look at what the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 43. He says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Some of us were living in the wilderness and the wasteland, and we think waiting will get us through it. And I don't know what put you there, and I I don't want to minimize what put you there. I have no intention of minimizing the pain, but in doing so, I refuse to, I want to maximize the power of God. When you come to know God and you start putting down the history, you'll begin to see a path towards something new, something new. It's time to open up our eyes to something new. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that in your present pain or your present circumstances that there is something new for you? God is doing something new in you. You have to believe that before you can move on from old history. Number 2 is this. Move on from old habits. From old habits. Talking about the addictions and the desire to measure up, the the habit of comparison, or or maybe the way you talk has become a negative habit in your life. And and, and here's what I'm saying. Is there anything in your life that is mastering you? Is there anything in your life that has control on you, a grip on you that is negatively impacting you? These things come to our mind, right? What is mastering you? We need to move on from the habits that have come to master us. Maybe you need to lay your phone down for a little bit. I'm talking about social media. Maybe you need to minimize the things in your life that cause you to compare your real life to everyone else's highlight reel. Like you live in the backstage of your life, but you only look and see what other people want to put on stage. And we're comparing ourselves to these people and it's a negative habit. Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus and he says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You see, moving on from the old habits starts when you allow God to, to correct some behaviors. And so, you know what I've learned about correction? Because <laughs> my wife will do this. It starts with humility. You know, oftentimes my wife will bring an area of criticism, and you know why she's doing that? She loves me. She loves me. And what is our initial response? No, you don't understand. Or or to to lash out and to get what 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 Jesus does in our when he enters into our life, he begins to look at areas and knock on the door. And for many of us, it starts with a posture of humility, of saying, Jesus, I'm not perfect. I have flaws i have character defects i have sin and maybe for you it's a step further maybe you need to look at your spouse and say i'm sorry i am sorry i have made a mistake i have caused friction and tension and i'm sorry you see when you and i accept jesus into our lives we're not getting an upgrade understand this we're not being upgraded. Jesus doesn't upgrade us. No, Jesus gives us a whole new model to work with. You have been made new. Paul Paul writes. Those old habits don't have to be downloaded into the new you. Have you ever deleted an app from your phone and I'm not talking if you have an Android, I'm sorry. My mother-in-law was up here last weekend and I did everything I could. Normally shame is not a tool I use. But I did everything I could to shame her into an iPhone and it just did not work. So I'm sorry. But if you have an iPhone, and most of you do, if you don't, T-Mobile will give you one for free. They're trying everything they can. Have you ever re-downloaded an app? So what happens when you delete an app and you go to re-download it? Instead of saying the word get, your phone will have a cloud with a down arrow. You you see, your phone remembers you've had this app before. You see, when Jesus makes you new, you can re-download some of your old habits But those habits don't come preloaded. We can move on from bad habits, but it's going to require some work. It's going to require some work. We're going to talk about some things we can do this morning. The third thing that you may need to to move on from is old hurts. Old hurts. It may be that, that you're wounded right now, that you're just in pain and it hurts, I know. But some of us, have adjusted our life to the pain because the pain of moving through it, we're afraid of more than the pain of being in it. The pain we know we get comfortable with, but there's something about moving forward that gets us through it. So we've decided to live with the pain rather than putting down the hurt from the past. We've allowed it to become a part of us. And so the the challenge here is, what if you took every necessary step to move forward from the hurt? What if you were willing to do whatever it takes? Join a life group, get into some counseling, introduce vulnerability and humility into your life. Pull someone close and say, I'm not okay, I'm not okay. You can only be as strong as you are honest. And some of us need to get honest, honest with someone else and honest with ourselves. My wife always says, you can't manage what you don't acknowledge. And the enemy is, one of his names in scripture is the deceiver. And what he loves to do is deceive us into thinking, no, no, if I don't process it, I don't have to deal with it. There where, therefore, I don't have to feel it. But that thing could be the very thing keeping you at the red light. Let's look at what Paul says about this idea of moving on from the old. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, The new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. If you're taking notes, I want you to to write this down. I can't start the next chapter of my life if I keep rereading the last one. I can't start the next chapter of my life if I keep rereading the last one. You see, so many of us are still defined by the history and the habits and the hurts, but it is possible to put those things down and to move on from them. And so for for so many of us, it's time to make a change. Time to make a change. Some of us need to start staring at the blessings of Jesus and only glancing at the pain and the hurt in the history. It's back there and it made you who you are. But it made you who you are so you can move towards God's purpose for your life. Your story is the only story that can make an impact in so many people's lives. So it's back there and it made you who you are, but it made you who you are for a purpose and to impact others. If you look at the life of Jesus, you'll see that the first 30 years of his life are really left to the imagination. There's a a few things here and there, but mostly we see his life beginning around the age of 30. He comes onto the scene. He's baptized by his cousin John, and shortly after his baptism, he begins his ministry. And Matthew says in chapter 4 of his gospel, From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. That word repent means to change your mind, to just simply do something different, to do something different. And he he says why? Because the kingdom of heaven has come near. And the problem for so many of us, and I have found myself here, the problem for so many of us like myself, I want to be the king of my own kingdom. But what Jesus is saying, no, 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 my kingdom is near. So make a change. Are you willing to make a change? Because I've got something different for you. What if you were to change your mind? What if you were to stop calling the shots in your own life? Jesus wants to partner alongside you to get you moving forward. And some of us think we're moving forward, but our foot won't get off the brake. So I think it's time to make a change. Let's look at some changes we can make this morning. The first is this, it's time to get closer to God. It's time to get closer to God. I'm talking about intimacy, intimacy. And you know, you can't be intimate with things you don't have proximity with. So I know my children because I'm in close proximity with them. I know my children because I prioritize bedtime. I know my children because I prioritize waking up with them in the morning, picking them up from school when I can, being intentional around the dinner table. How was your day? What are your highs? What are your lows? What can dad do for you? Let's, let's, I have intimacy with them because I prioritize it. Paul writes in his letter to the Ephesians, In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. God is closer than you think He is, He is approachable. He sent Jesus so that you and I could come close to Him. James chapter 4, verse 8 says, Come close to God. Notice, notice He says, Take a step, come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinner, purify your hearts. For your loyalty is divided between God and the world. You see, developing a closeness to God allows us to live in the world. But rather than being influenced by the world, we become influencers to the world. Why? Because we have proximity with Jesus. We're taking Jesus into our marriage, we're taking Jesus into our workplace. Developing a closeness to God allows you. To not just take your foot off the brake, but remember, your car doesn't go until you press the gas. Developing that closeness and intimacy, we take our foot off the brake and then we put it on the gas. God is closer than you think he is. My old pastor used to say, if I want something I've never done, then I need to do something I've never done. If you've never felt a closeness with God, it's probably time to start doing something different. And I just, I just want to be blunt with you this morning and just start the year out with a challenge, with a, with a charge. If being involved in the church is optional for you, if the week rolls around and attending service or going to your life group is optional for you, can I just ask that you shift your perspective? If, if going to life group is a drag and you just don't like it, can I just say, and I'm going to blow your mind, go to a different life group And here's the challenge. If you go to a different life group and it's a drag, I want you to go home, grab a mirror, and I just want you to just very gently say to yourself, am I a drag? (laughs) I've been doing life groups for a long time. I got lots of thoughts. May I be so bold as to say, go all in. Go all in. Join a fall group, or better yet, we kick off fall groups in February. Or better yet, lead one. That way you have to be there. Sometimes you got to work smart, not hard. Go to Growth Track. Join the dream team. Here's the thing you may not see a difference in a matter of moments, but if you put the work of this church over the course of time, then I promise you, your life will be better off. I could not have made it through this past year if it wasn't. If I wasn't involved in a life group, you know, one of the things I love about leading a group is that I still need that group. And I I have the privilege of leading the men's freedom group and every semester it's like I just get to bear my heart and my soul with these men. And I've got men in my life in this room today who know what my family is going through five days into this year. And who are praying for me and who are going to battle for me and who are bringing me dinner last night and then playing Uno Flip with me to get my mind off of things. I I could not have made it through this year without my life group. Yesterday we came home and this may be breaking and entering. I don't know. But someone had slid a card under my door. I guess they're giving. And we open up the card and there's just a no and it's totally to Chelsea. But I see the Mo's gift card. And the Chick-fil-A gift card, they're just saying, hey, we just want to do whatever we can to care for you. And every single person in the last five days who've stepped in to make a difference in our life, I have served with on the dream team or has been in my life group. Or has been in my life group. I love what Pastor John Mark says. Just give us a year. A year? Yeah, a year. Because anything good takes time. Give us a year. Commit for one year. Come on Sundays. Get plugged into the dream team. Join a life group and take advantage of it. And there's no better time for you to start getting closer to God. You know why? You can join us tomorrow morning for 21 days of prayer. There's a chance 21 days of prayer may be something different for you. If you want something different, maybe you got to do something different. Join us for 21 days of prayer. Make a commitment and have the discipline to join us. We're not a perfect church, but I am convinced that we are a good church. And the only way for the church to be effective is if we partner together. We've heard story after story of people coming back to us and say, I gave it a year. I committed. I I came on Sundays. I joined the dream team. I committed to my life group. I led a life group. And things are getting better. Things are getting better. The second thing is this. It's time to get honest with a friend. It's time for you to share your secrets with at least one person. You see, God designed you and I to live in accountability. You need someone taking the journey with you. You need someone who will have your back. Many of you know about my family. We foster and we adopt. And this summer we were fostering our 13-year-old and now we've adopted him. But we had services through Elida Home. And we were doing family therapy and they brought us out and they have horses and we were walking around with the horses and the counselor was with us and we were able to ask questions and she was just kind of digging into the family unit. And it was a really cool moment for the whole family because my younger boys don't get to be a part of this oftentimes. And so we're there. And if you know anything about my wife, you know, she's got like 12 questions that she's ready to ask you at any point. And so I knew Chelsea standing in front of this giant horse, never having done that, she's just like waiting to ask questions. And she asked the one question that we've all wondered in our life. And I have the answer for you. Can horses really sleep standing up? They can't. What horses can do is they actually have the ability, which is funny because they have the ability to lock their knee joints so they don't fall over. But if you and I do that in about 30 minutes, we're out. But the counselor went on to say, That in a pack of horses at night when they're sleeping, there's always at least one horse who stays awake and one horse stays awake in order to protect the sleeping horses from being attacked by predators. How cool is that? Horses have the instinctual behavior to protect one another. Who is staying awake for you? Who is staying awake for you? Who is protecting you? When you're in a vulnerable place, I got to tell you what, this last week and this last year, my, we've had people staying awake for us. We have been in the most vulnerable positions we've ever been in our 10, almost 11 years of marriage. But we've had people staying awake for us, going to battle. And while we were sleeping, the enemy came. And those who were staying awake for us, they went to fight for us. Who is staying awake for you? If you got nobody staying awake for you, then you need to get some things in motion. To make a change. The Bible says in James chapter 5 verse 16. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. You need a partner. You need a friend. Someone you can take the mask off with. Because the reality is if you want to go fast and so many of us do. If you want to go fast go alone. But if you want to go far go with others. And some of us we've got to take a perspective shift where it's not about getting where we want to get. It's about getting there healthy. It's about getting there on purpose. Some of us, we've built walls around our lives and we're in a prison of pain and hurt and we don't know how to break these walls. And to be frank, I don't know how to break those walls either, but I do know this, it will be together. It will be together over time, over time, because good things often take time. The third thing is this, it's time to get in tune with my purpose and passions. There's an incredibly powerful verse in Galatians that could ruffle some feathers and at the same time release you from a prison that maybe you put yourself in. It says this in Galatians chapter 6. If anyone thinks there's something when they are not, they deceive themselves. If you're pursuing something that always leaves you frustrated, feeling like you fell short, if you're pursuing something and comparing yourself to the other person doing the same something and feeling like you came up short, it doesn't mean that the thing you're pursuing is bad. It could be that it's not the thing you should be pursuing. It goes on, each one of us should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. Let me ask you something. Have you ever taken inventory of the why? Why do I do what I do? To what end am I doing what I do? Why am I pursuing this dream of mine? Why am I throwing myself into this area? Is it so that I can measure up? Is it so that I can feel like I too add value to this world? Is it to prove someone wrong who spoke something terrible over you? Some of us need to ask ourselves why? And then once again, get real honest with ourselves. How much of a difference would it make for you if you were able to walk through life knowing who you are? Knowing that you are loved by God and nothing changes that. You don't have to compare your output to the person you admire on Instagram in order to be loved and valued by God and the people around you. You are not defined by the success of your dreams. You are not defined by the size of your purpose. Because God has a big dream for you. He has a big purpose for you. But before you even know those things, you are loved more than he could ever love you. Because for so many of us, we say, I want fulfillment in this life, so I'll pursue the things I'm passionate about. But yet, do we ever find the fulfillment? What Jesus is saying, start from a place of fulfillment. I cannot love you more than I love you right now. I'm a wreck, God. I love you. God, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life. I love you. Start from a position of empowerment, and then we don't have to go look for fulfillment. We have it, and we can carry on making a difference in the world because we're not looking for self-fulfillment. We're looking for people fulfillment. And Jesus is saying, I love you. I care about you. I'm passionate about you. Don't forget that along your journey because your journey is going to be hard. There will be ups and there will be downs. My love for you is not determined by your success in this world. It's determined by what I did with Jesus on the cross. And nothing changes that. Don't ever confuse your purpose for God's purpose. My plan was to never be in ministry. I knew from a young age that I wanted to be a history teacher and not because I wanted to teach history. Truthfully, there was a history teacher who made a difference in my life. And you know what I really wanted to do? I wanted to make a difference in people's lives. And so going into my first semester of college, that was my plan. And then they slapped down that I got like $2,000 of, of, of credit towards my account. And Charleston Southern University was going to charge me $25,000 a year. And I just felt Jesus say no. <laughs> and I heard him. And I was obedient. And so it turns out that God had other plans. You know, I could have absolutely followed my dream of, of making a difference by going into education. But when I gave God the playbook, he shut the door to education and opened the door to ministry. I had to come to the realization that my dream, and this is, this is hear what I'm saying here. My dream wasn't education. My dream was making an impact in people's lives. And I just had to give God the details of it, Right? And when you give God the details, because sometimes God will will, will birth a passion and a dream in you. But we just got to get out of the details sometimes. Because I have the privilege of making a difference in people's lives in the context of ministry. We see this in Moses. Moses was wasting away in the desert, convinced that his purpose was to use his shepherd's staff to lead sheep through the desert. And God spoke to him through a burning bush and he said, no, I didn't create you to shepherd sheep. I created you to shepherd people. And with that same staff that Moses was shepherding sheep, he would go and lead the people of Israel out of Egypt and in towards the the promised land. You see, one of the things that we say often is that your design reveals your destiny. God created you with a passion and a purpose and things. And just like Moses knew what to do with that staff, he was just using it incorrectly. God wants to step in and say, hey, you're using some things incorrectly. God has a purpose and a passion for you. Number four is this. It's time to get on doing something greater than myself. That's a real southern way to say live a life bigger than yourself. Live a life bigger than yourself. Joy does not come from serving oneself. Joy does not come from getting into the right neighborhood or or making the money. I'll tell you where real joy comes from. It's when you are on a God-given adventure. A God-given adventure. And here's the thing about adventures, you don't always know where they're going. (laughs) And that's the problem with people. We love to know where we're going. In Ephesians chapter two, in the message version, Paul says, God creates, creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does, the good work he has gotten ready for us to do, work we had better be doing. You know what that tells me? That tells me that God has a plan for me, that God has a plan for you. And all this is to help you find that plan and that purpose. I got to tell you, you know, the, the idea of something greater than myself, it fires me up. God has a work for you and understand this. The work he has for you will fulfill you and make a difference in the lives of others. Chelsea and I, we've, we've discovered our purpose and you know what? Sometimes the purpose God has given us slaps us in the face, both cheeks. Because a life of significance is one that is challenging. Sometimes your purpose will be tough to pursue and you'll have to persevere. But you know what keeps Chelsea and I from staying down when we get knocked down? Seeing that our purpose is making a difference in the life of someone else. And sometimes we've just got to be willing to say, Jesus, if you're going to spend me, just spend me. And sometimes in my purpose, I'm only giving out and I don't feel like I'm receiving. But when that moment clicks and I see the difference being made in someone else fires me up if your purpose and your passion serve you and you alone then eventually you'll get tired of fighting for them you know and and know some of us are it's it's easy to listen to a message like this and say I want to feel it I want to be there with you but you my past is too much my hurts and my habits it's got a grip on me and I want you to know I hear you I hear you and and for me for some of you my heart is with you currently it aches for you. And you want to be fired up with the pain of the past or maybe the pain of the present is too great to overcome. And maybe you're still grieving and you're grieving a hurt from your spouse or grieving from a mistake that you wish you would have never made. And, and maybe you're in a place and you're looking through your rearview mirror and you don't see that the light is green. And I want to say something to you and I want, I want you to take it to heart. Maybe this is your 2020. It's right, my wife writes things on the mirror, whatever that is called. Maybe this is your 2020. Maybe this is your 21 days of prayer. But listen to this. Some of us need to speak this over our lives. I can't go back and change the beginning, but I can start where I am and change the ending. I can't go back and change the beginning, but I can start where I am and change the ending. You need to know that you serve a God who is capable of changing the way your story ends. You serve a God who is for you, for your story. So what story is your life going to tell? Because here's what we know. The light is green and we have permission to press the gas. And it, it could be that this morning, in order for you to find freedom or in order for you to move forward, you got you to know God. There's something about knowing our purpose. It really helps to know God. <laughs> And maybe this morning you're, you're here today and you say, I, I, I'm ready to step on the gas and, and you just say, I need to accept Jesus into my heart, into my life. I need to give him residence in my soul. I've been doing this thing on my own for too long. I'm at the end of my strength. I'm at the end of my ideas. And I gotta give this thing to Jesus and see what he can do. Maybe that's you today. Would you bow your head? I wanna offer you, an opportunity to receive Jesus into your heart. You can just repeat after me, maybe in in your spirit or just kind of in your mind. I think Jesus is pretty good at listening. God, this morning, I thank you for going all in for me. God, even maybe today as I sit here uncomfortable, as I sit here knowing my secrets, that you still went to the cross for me, that you still looked at me and said, you're worth it. Jesus, this morning, I I give my life to you. I give my heart to you. I don't know what the future holds, but today my foot is on the gas and I'm giving you my life. Jesus, thank you for sending your son to the cross to cover my sins and take away my shame and guilt. I give you my life in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.